Hey, and welcome to the Thoughtcast, episode six. And we've got a special treat for you today. I am Philip Elke, your host of the Thoughtcast, Conversations About Animation. And I'm joined by my brother. Hey, Dawson. Hey, Philip. What's up today, Dawson? Hi. <laughs> What's up? Um, here to talk about to talk about animation and um, and a topic that you will no doubt introduce in good time. Yeah, um, we're also joined by a special guest today, Jody. A guest? Hi. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to be here in LA with you guys and to be able to talk about this. It was definitely unexpected, but in a serendipitous way, I'm excited. It's perfect. Definition of serendipitous. Where were you coming from? Uh, New Zealand. Yeah, I was just over there for a bit. Um, and this was my layover. There? Um, I was just taking a break from work and soaking in all that New Zealand has to offer with the emphasis on sheep and alpacas. I I hear a lot of people do this and it sounds like it might be one of the most important things anyone needs to do is take a break to New Zealand. Yeah, it definitely was, was amazing and the best trip ever, honestly. You guys need to get over there if you haven't gone before. Would you say it was magical? I would say it is the definition of magical. If there is a country that falls under that, it would be New Zealand. It, it, it looks like it fell out of a storybook, which is why I can see why so many people film movies over there. Did you see any Lord of the Rings sites before Philip goes on? Did you, did you tour any or visit any, anything specifically Lord of the Rings related? I didn't. You know, we stumbled on some of the accident, but no, I didn't go on any of the tours because I haven't seen all the movies and it's not really my thing. Oh my, well, that's, <laughs> well you won't even go there, but. Goes to New Zealand, doesn't visit Hobbiton. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, speaking of magical, the topic of today is a little different. Normally on this show, we talk about a show or a movie, but um, today we're actually talking about the Disney An princesses. Idea. What's that? An idea, like Rome. An oh, idea. Concept. Well, this image just popped into my head, this imaginary montage of when in the trailers for the original Avengers, when Nick Fury says, there was an idea. And then it shows all the Avengers popping up. I can imagine Walt Disney saying, there was an idea. And all the Disney princesses flourishing. What's yeah. That? Well, so uh, how many princesses are there, Dawson? Seven princesses of heart. Okay. They're the only ones that matter. No. I, the, Wait, no, that's not correct. The Oh, well, we happen to have the expert in the studio, so. Well, Jody, he's making a video game reference. I don't know if you know. Uh, the video game Kingdom Hearts, Dawson's a little bit obsessed. Um, but I th it's probably a little bit obscure to some of the people. I am not obsessed because I have not played any of the spinoff titles. Only one and two. That that is true. There are people who will get mad at you if you talk about Kingdom Hearts and haven't played the spin-offs. Yeah, well, they're the ones who are wrong. Like it's mm -hmm. imagine imagine that there were like a hundred Star Wars prequels. And yeah. you, in order to be a true fan, you had to watch them all. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. Anyway, no, um before we get into Kingdom Hearts, yes, we have how many princesses are there? We do have the expert in the studio, like we said. Well, I think today we're basing it off of 14. I guess that's what we all did, but it really depends if you want to count Disney Junior or not, but there's more than 14. And I mean, Elsa's a queen, so she should actually be pulled off the list. There's there's no right Whoa. answer here, but um, there, I mean, we each made our own list. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, we, we made our own yeah. lists in which we rank the Disney princesses. And 
I mean, we don't have to emphasize necessarily placement on the ranks. How they got there. In my case, like, I love all these characters. And, like, this phenomenon... Hashtag would date. What's that? Hashtag would date. <laughs> Only the ones we would date. Um, but this social phenomenon of the Disney princesses is something that's definitely worth discussing and has um, a special relevance right now because of the new movie that's out, Dawson, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Did you see it? I did see Ralph Breaks the Internet, and I loved it. Jody, did you? I have not yet, but I plan to see it very soon. I've heard great things. Yeah, well, that's what we'll be talking about next week on the show. But this week, much of what has been a buzz about the new Ralph Breaks the Internet is the scene in which basically all the Disney princesses are together on screen for the first time and in like a mainline Disney animated film, which is pretty crazy. And, it, and they did it so well. Like, we're, I was so perfect. Just lounging like mm -hmm. normal girls. Just like Jody, what you do on a regular basis is have all the princesses hanging out and well yeah we have to get into jody and what you do as for a living it's pretty fascinating tell the audience yeah absolutely so i own like a children's entertainment company um and basically what we do is we travel across the united states and provide um children's entertainment in the form of princess events um, we call it the fairy tale ball and while they're not necessarily disney princesses they're based very closely on popular renditions of the disney princesses um, and we get to you know entertain kids and families from you know las vegas all the way up to detroit back down to florida um, so it's a lot of fun i've been doing that for five years and it's obviously very rewarding and i love princesses so it's the best job ever. That is incredible. That, yeah, something like this would inspire you to, you know, pursue uh, this level of commitment to something. It's just, th that just totally speaks to the power of these characters and something we want to get into in today's discussion for sure. Um, but back to the question of like, who are the Disney princesses? How many are there? Are there other princesses that, um, you know, who should be, who, you know, qualifies as a Disney princess? Uh, and there's so many different, you know, definitions. That Questions that have vexed left. philosophers for, for, for years. This is the kind of heavy hitting we get into on the Thodcast, everyone. You better well, be prepared. Well, that's because you said rank the princesses and me being like, I need to be some kind, I need to be like, uh, creative or whatever and I'm racking my brain I'm like I feel like there's so much out there that isn't necessarily obvious like mm -hmm. not not counting live action I wasn't really thinking hard about live action films mm -hmm. but came up with a short list of honorable mentions too because there weren't there are a lot of girls who aren't ladies or whatever you, <laughs> lovely fine strong women in the Disney canon that aren't exactly princesses but yes as you said like what what qualifies anyway yeah what did we what did we come up with well I came up with a list of 14. And these were all the ones who ended up in Ralph Breaks the Internet, right? That is right. Um, and then Vanellope would be number 15 if she were, you know, included, if, if I decided to include her within the official canon, which I, I don't. I don't put her on my list, and I can explain why. But, um, yeah, of the princesses who appeared in Ralph Breaks the Internet, there are uh, the, the main 14. 
And these coincide generally with the, um, the Disney Princess consumer products line. Dawson, you're probably familiar with that. You're saying you were at Target earlier today. Yes, and there's a whole Disney Princess section. Um, and when I was shipping uh, item, there's a small corner in the back room where we package items and ship them. One of my coworkers decided to grace us with his rendition of Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Where off key, he repeated, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? And that's it. Just that one line for the whole. For the whole. It, was, it was beautiful. So let's just quickly outline who, um, what characters are included in the official Disney princess line. And, um, you know, the answer might surprise you. Uh, for example, Elsa and Anna from Frozen are not in the official Disney princess line. What is the official Disney princess line? Um, it's, it began in the early 2000s. Um, it was started by a Disney consumer products um, executive. Yeah, Disney consumer products chairman Andy Mooney uh, conceived the idea of, of uh, building a product line around these specific characters. You've got like, there's three, three classic princesses and then like three Renaissance era princesses. And then Mulan and Pocahontas, which, whose movies weren't quite as successful, but still uh, fairly prominent. And I also think, um, I don't have here necessarily to confirm, but um, the uh, uh, Tinkerbell was included in the very first version. She's the... popular, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, because like you say, you say Anna and Elsa aren't in the main product line, but I mean, their merchandise is absolutely all over the mm -hmm. place. We're inundated in it. Yeah, because that's because Frozen has its own product line. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever see like Snow White, Cinderella, and Elsa on the same backpack. They're definitely always Elsa and Anna or the others. They're never combined. Mm -hmm. That explains so much. Okay, yeah. Wow. I learned something huge today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I do have here uh, the original lineup consisted of Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, and Tinkerbell. Well, Samara used to have posters and like bedsheets of our, all, yeah, our younger back. sister. She was into the Disney. That was like the early days of Disney Princess. Mm -hmm. Those were my days of Disney Princess. Those were the glory days. Yeah, <laughs> that's what inspired. That's what inspired what you absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I stayed. I had to sleep in Samara's room like once or twice. I don't remember why, but I slept very well, and there was something very satisfyingly pink about everything. I, I don't know. <laughs> But I was very little. Well, nice also, um, so since this, you know, early lineup, um, it has changed, and um, they've added Tiana, and then Rapunzel, and also Merida, the first non-Disney animation princess. So the updated consumer line, they mm -hmm. they have updated those original yeah. six or seven or eight. Just just not Frozen or Moana. Do you think that's coming? Or is um, Frozen too, is too much of a powerhouse on its own and Moana is just too new? Yes, uh, to both. Okay. Possible that Moana might join the Disney Princess line, um, and, but Frozen, they're probably going to wait and see how that franchise pans out. Uh, what do you think, Jody? Um, I think I actually heard something about this at one point, though I can't pinpoint my reference. Um, I don't think they're planning on bringing Elsa and Anna into 
uh, the group until they stop making so much money on their own. There's really no reason to combine them. Uh, but as far as Moana goes, I'm sure that eventually they'll they'll throw her in. I don't think she was as much of a life-altering character. I mean, uh, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, in 10 years, yeah, they could definitely pull everyone into one big thing. I just know with Elsa and Anna, it's not in anywhere near future. That's a, wow. That, and that makes me wonder, like, what's, you're talking about 10 years in the future, like, what's coming next? Like, what? What princess will they come up with next? That's yeah, and I mean that is in, that question is certainly implicated in the new movie Ralph Breaks the Internet with the inclusion of Vanellope. Um, but uh, before we get into that, um, can any of you name the last piece of Disney princess merchandise you purchased? Absolutely. I think I just got a thing of goldfish crackers, but they have the Disney princesses on them. Mm -hmm. They might not have been the goldfish, but I mean, they're all over food. You can get mm -hmm. frozen cereal. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I'm sure and I bought that within the last week. And I'm talking uh, Disney princess specifically, um, not like fro Frozen or Moana. Oh, or... Disney princess specifically. But okay. yeah, the actual product line. But you're right. That probably was a Disney princess branded box of uh, goldfish crackers. <laughs> I think they were on my bananas. Pretty sure I had a bell banana the other day. Nice. Yeah. I know what mine was. It was Campbell's chicken noodle soup. They have Rapunzel and Belle on the cover of it right now. Okay. For me, Jelly Bellies. Oh. I got some Disney princess Jelly Bellies at one point. That throwback to Christmas of a couple years ago. <laughs> that, and that's maybe the only Disney princess item that I've ever gotten. Maybe except for some like pillows I got for a friend for a birthday. Otherwise, I was just going to say that I just bought this Slytherin journal and Harry Potter will be owned by Disney eventually, which will make her Hermione a Disney princess. And she's probably going to marry Tom Felton in real life, which means that um, I can I can correlate Hermione to the Slytherin journal. And yes. Proactively nice. call this a Disney princess product. <laughs> nice. Well, um, it says here that Walt's nephew, Roy E. Disney, objected to the creation of the line as the company had long avoided mingling characters from its classic fairy tales in other narratives, worrying that it would weaken the individual mythologies. Hmm. So Roy cared about individual mythologies at one point. <laughs> well, he, he always did. Like the integrity of each individual story, whereas, you know, it's easy to, it's so, in, we're so inundated in it now, it's just so easy to see them as a product, at least. Yeah, I mean, the Disney princess phenomenon is as much a exercise in consumer branding as it is a social construct. Well, and this is why I, I do want to bring up Kingdom Hearts very quickly and not <laughs> go on too long of a tangent, because you have the, man, it, in, to me, like Kingdom Hearts summarizes Disney, like everything. So, I mean, and especially as a little kid, like, you know, I, I would have thought, oh, princesses aren't cool. Like I'm a, I'm a six-year-old boy when this game comes out and when I play it and I'm like, princesses, oh, that's girly or whatever. Well, then I started up this game with this, these, and there's this opening cutscene with beautiful music and beautiful shots of these really cool looking like anime style characters and there's like these dark monsters and they're wielding these keys as swords and it's action-packed and it's really like 
abstract and kind of surreal and he like floats through this ocean of darkness your main character he's falling through the sea of darkness and then he lands on this like glowing platform and all these like doves fly away and it's like majestic and magisterial and you're like where is he is he in a dream what's going on and the camera pans up and he's on this beautiful circular stained glass window floating in an empty void and freaking Aurora is on it. Like this stained glass image of Princess Aurora. Mm-hmm. And it was like the most stunning and captivating thing I'd ever seen. And then you start playing the game and you're just walking around on this platform in this void. And this voice is like asking you questions about like who you are and like what kind of person, what kind of weapon do you wield? And then these stairs appear from this platform to another platform and you go up these six platforms and on each of them is a Disney princess. Mm-hmm. So it takes, it's like the, this, this line that you're talking about, this consumer product line, there's this world out there of all, there's this idea in the game of all these worlds being connected um, and that each of these six princesses, and there's a seventh, the seventh princess of heart, which is Kyrie, who is my number one favorite Disney princess of all time. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Um, anyway. Um, and that, their their within their hearts is the key to unlocking kingdom hearts um which is a whole profound idea but anyway so that's where the the princesses started to really mean a lot to me after experiencing them in this way of like i don't know it just so anyway that's my rant that's why so yeah so that's interesting well yeah kingdom hearts probably opened the door for you to come to appreciate the character of the disney princess as you know i suppose like a lot of young boys it's like kind of repugnant <laughs> yeah well, actually the that's why they started changing the titles for the disney princess movies for a long time the titles would be based off of the name of the the disney princess like cinderella or snow white their movie was called cinderella or snow white but mm-hmm. then they realized that young boys would be more likely to watch and connect with the characters if they changed the title to things like frozen instead of mm-hmm. calling it Elsa or calling it brave instead of Merida. So that is a big thing that uh, they changed with the princesses throughout time is making it more appealing, uh, not just to, you know, little girls and, uh, but to little boys too is changing those titles. So it'd be less like gender. I guess, I don't know Mm -hmm. what you call it. It is interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. How superficial instead of Rapunzel. Yeah. I, I have always wondered like about that trend actually. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, yeah, you see a title and a title is a girl's name and you go, ew, but Mm -hmm. obviously anyone, any boy who actually watches those movies enjoys them. I mean, I certainly Mm -hmm. did. Um, Little Mermaid might've been the only one that I like didn't want to admit I liked for whatever reason. Oh no, she's Um, number two on my list. Well, and now, now she's like number, what is she on my list? She's high on Phillip's list too. Mm -hmm. And she's number... Oh gosh, um, six on mine. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see The Little Mermaid all the way through until fairly recently. Really? You resented it. You absolutely <laughs> resented it. You're the reason I didn't want to like it because you hated it so much. <laughs> Amazing oh. how people can change, isn't it, well, Jody? Uh-huh, he's yeah, really I mean, grown as a person. What 12-year-old me would just be baffled if he knew that, how like- How prove it. <laughs> Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have tattoos of Disney princesses. Um, you you knew this, Jody, right? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well. Yes, I love it. I yeah. I think that's so cool. And I would have never guessed in high school that you would have 
done something I, like that, but I, mean, I obviously respect it to the fullest. <laughs> I'll, I'll go into more detail on that at some point, but it's just Anna and Elsa because Frozen is my favorite movie of all time, uh, favorite Disney movie. It's it's just something that's very personal to me, um, and and part of why I I wanted to go into uh, discussing animation on a podcast. Kingdom Hearts is very personal to me. <laughs> We can't talk about that. No, I'm just kidding. Well, if you um, want to make your case as to why Kyrie qualifies as a Disney princess, you're more than welcome. But I'm so, <laughs> so no, I'm going to go through just a quick list of the ones that I have that I included on my list. And then feel free to chime in if there, there are any we should add. Um, so... Uh, and we, we should all just give our lists right now, and then we can go into talking about the yeah. princesses individually. Uh, I'll idea. start we'll off. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off here. Um, so my number one is, and, and this is totally subjective, by the way. Uh, I, I gauged it by just like, you know, basically writing down the names and then measuring my res emotional response to... Uh, um, yeah, just kind of like a kind of like a gut thing for me. Yeah. Too. Well, number one, Elsa. Number two, Anna. Number three, Rapunzel. Number four, Pocahontas. Number five, Ariel. Number six, Belle. Number seven, Snow White. Number eight, Aurora. Number nine, Cinderella. Number ten, Jasmine. Number eleven, Moana. Number 12, Mulan. Number 13, Tiana. And number 14, Merida. Wonderful. Um, Jody, you want to go next? or should Yeah, we... definitely. Um, so I feel like mine kind of changes on my mood. So like my top five probably rotates, but uh, it's Rapunzel, Ariel, Belle, Anna, and Jasmine. So those are my top five. And I think they've always been my top five for the most part. Um, and then I go on number six is Pocahontas, then Moana. And then I, Ariel and, uh, sorry, Aurora and Cinderella are probably tied. And then it's Elsa, Mulan, Snow White, Tiana, and Merida. So we have the same ending one of Merida there. But to be honest, I haven't seen the movie Brave. So mm -hmm. I don't know for sure if Merida's my least favorite, but I am guessing mm -hmm. she'd be my least well, favorite. <laughs> I, I don't want this to be regarded as a knock against Merida either, because she, she was my favorite princess in ralph breaks the internet <laughs> oh she had the best moment here's the question though does merida sing in her movie she doesn't sing in her movie so i feel like she shouldn't even be on the list all disney princesses should sing a song and i don't think merida does well but merida has a scottish lady sing a song for her while she's riding the horse <laughs> along the waterfall um so does that <laughs> that count I'll have to watch it. I'll have to watch it, and then maybe I'll have to change my list up a little bit. And and then she does. She doesn't even talk really in the in the movie. Ralph breaks the internet. Um, well, <laughs> uh, you'll see for yourself. Well, that wasn't even really. It's in the trailers, but like that wasn't even a thing in her movie. Like you could easily understand her, played by the brilliant actress Kelly McDonald, um, in Ralph as well as Brave. Yeah, they just made this decision to have Merida in Ralph, like. They made a joke about Scottish people, which was so, like, I just found that funny. Like, there was no reason to have her talk that way. Like, let's exaggerate this character's accent for no reason other than this is actually how real Scottish people sound. Mm -hmm. And that's funny. I don't know. So that was, or how some real Scottish people sound. Mm -hmm. I've met them. 
Um, okay, I'll go through my list quick then. Um, and I haven't seen Moana, so I don't know if she'd be my least favorite. I'm actually sure I'd love her. I, um, I'm a big fan of the Mutiny on the Bounty series, and there's a Pacific Islander princess who I, I really like in that story. So I'm actually shocked i haven't seen moana yet well if you're going by the criterion you briefly mentioned before the recording what what would you uh, say um oh what do you mean criteria oh oh hotness oh gosh <laughs> um it, it, yeah purely <laughs> ranked in. oh yeah <laughs> um then she's up there she's absolutely up there um but uh no so okay uh my list is number one Kyrie, the seventh princess of heart she's the key to all this um but if you want to discount her then you can just forget about that and proceed with the following as number one. Okay, Belle. Uh, number three, Elanwi, Black Cauldron. No one ever thinks of her. Oh, anyway. that's an awesome choice. We'll probably maybe get into that. I, I mean, I want to get into I want to know if anyone's cosplayed Elanwi at any of your events. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, I have friends who have cosplayed her before, but I never thought of her as a princess before. Good choice. No one does. But yeah, no, I, I looked up a, a scene from the Black Cauldron today, and one of the first comments that popped up was, and she wasn't included in the Ralph 2 lineup. Oh. Oh, no. um, and because everyone forgets about her. So anyway, um, so thanks for liking my choice, Jody. Then I'm all chuffed. Um, all right, number four, Rapunzel. Number five, Jasmine. Number six, Ariel. Number seven, Pocahontas. Number eight, Mulan. Nine, Aurora. Ten, Tiana. Eleven, Merida. Twelve, Anna. Thirteen, Elsa. Fourteen, Cinderella. And fifteen, Snow White. Oh, how did Anna get so far down on your list? It's nothing personal against them. Uh, I I just hotness. Don't... Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not wild. I'm just not wild about them. Um, but they're great. They're great. They're absolutely great. Anyway, can I confess something? Yeah. The the first time I heard Anna's voice, I immediately thought of you, Jody. Oh, that is honestly the biggest compliment I've ever had ever and now we have it recorded so I can play that compliment to myself over and over again that's so yeah sweet. that's that's exciting she's awesome yeah she she's a one of my favorites can you give us a few lines of oh my gosh no honestly I I would hate to misquote it but I love Kristen Bell and I think she was the perfect voice for mm -hmm. Anna I think it's the most relatable character if we were doing a list of most relatable princesses she definitely would have been number one and I think a lot of that mm -hmm. has to do with who voiced her because Kristen Bell is the most I would say approachable celebrity out there right now like mm -hmm. you want to be friend but mm -hmm. uh Sorry that you put her at the end, oh, Dawson. No, I, I don't I don't know much about Kristen Bell. I also I mean I relatable in the sense that like her arc is so cool because for the first like half of the movie she is falls in love right away, standard Disney princess, but then really does go on a journey and grows. And so there's that relatability of like everyone getting head over heels for love, um, but then, you know, going on a but then, you know, meeting a guy who like is cool and is like what why are you you did that and she's like oh well yeah i guess and then is really out there for her sister and i haven't seen the film in a while so i don't remember every bit of it but no she's great she's cool um and elsa's cool too she's kind of stoic she sings a pretty song i actually i because this is personal for me i adore mandy moore's voice so much so every time yes. rapunzel sings i just melt um brush and brush and brush my hair like i get oh man kills me um and i find her uh, rapunzel really relatable um i mean i i wasn't trapped in a tower 
till I was 16. But you know, anyone who's ever been like cooped up in one place for a long time and really wants to get out and explore. Um, and I, I love that scene uh, Rapunzel, with Rapunzel when she's like, it, it keeps cutting back and forth. She's so excited to be like rebelling, but then she's crying and I'm the worst daughter ever. Like I, that's extremely relatable and fun. But. Well, well, maybe we should frame this in reverse chronological order then. Does that sound Ooh. good? Sure. sure. All right. So, and um, let's just then take the moment to briefly talk about Vanellope. And um, Jody, you haven't seen any of the Wreck-It Ralph movies. Uh, you, you haven't seen the first one, right? I haven't seen it, but I have a fun fact. Mm -hmm. I have a fun fact for Wreck-It Ralph 2. I love and I didn't fact. even have to look it up. When we were in Nevada, uh, I was at the mall and I bumped into Paige O'Hara, which is the voice of Belle. Um, and I recognized her right away because I'm obviously a huge fan of all things oh Disney princess. And she was going there for an art show Bumped and we started talking to her. Yes, Paige O'Hara. And we started talking to her for a little bit. She was gracious enough with her time to honestly talk with us for like a half hour. And we asked her, you know, what her most current project was. And she said that originally that little scene with the Disney princesses that we saw in the original like teaser trailer that came out. Mm -hmm. She said uh, originally that was pretty much it, but since that little clip went so viral and everyone was talking about it so much, they quickly updated the script to include more princess like dialogue and uh, mm. animation. So I haven't seen the final version. I wonder if they based the ending off. I wonder if that came after the trailer was released. No, she said not. the movie was complete and that it, they decided after the great response from that trailer that the the, the producers decided to put in more of, of the Disney princess thing, which I'm, I'm surprised they wouldn't have thought of that from the beginning because we're all so nostalgic and like want to relive our childhoods. But yeah, that's my yeah. fun fact about Wreck-It Ralph 2 is that there weren't supposed to be so many minutes of princesses, but you guys can take it from there. No, that is amazing. How, how can Paige O'Hara not be up to more? Like how can she not be working? <gasps> oh, I mean, I'm sure she's up to more, but that was kind of like the fun thing that she was telling us about. She's actually a painter and she sells her paintings and just like Jim Carrey, all the best <laughs> artists, they become crazy painters. <laughs> I want to go to a painting party with Paige O'Hara and Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, and uh, Ralph as Bob Ross. Ralph, oh, my. Oh, no. That, that was, that's a moment in the film it, that, it, that oh. just is to die for. Yeah, there's a lot of moments in that film just to die for. But mm -hmm. wow, well, cool. We'll yeah. refrain from spoiling anything just yet, but uh, definitely go into full spoilers next week when we review Ralph Breaks the Internet. But um, to get into it, like, Wreck-It Ralph was released in 2012, and it introduced us to a new character who is technically a Disney princess uh, in the form of Vanellope Von Schweetz, voiced by Sarah Silverman. And, uh, yeah, do you know anything about the comedian Sarah Silverman? I don't. Mm -hmm. I do. Doesn't she talk about America? Does she not have a show where she talks about America? This is something that's real, I know, but I can't quite remember what she calls it. I, I'm not a big fan of hers, to be honest. I think she's a little bit too She's silly. kind of coarse. Yeah, she's definitely yeah. Like, uh, off uh, brand from Disney, typically. But a lot of their voice actors are. You know, they, they all do more adult when I work. when I think of mm -hmm. Vanellope Von voice applied to a like crass adult comedian that sounds like the most obnoxious thing in the world to me but like I love her I love the way her voice works for the character in the films 
No offense, Sarah. Well, I think it's called I Love You, America. Um, that's it. That's okay. it. That's what I've seen her in clips of mm -hmm. um, that I'm not necessarily a fan of, but I do like her as a voiceover. Her her voice is very unique and, and it works really well yeah. with the character. I just don't like her as a person. Can I say that on here? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, she's I, pretty outspoken. Delete it, delete it. She's pretty outspoken politically. Um, and yeah, I haven't for, met you yet, Sarah. So I, I'm not, I, I, I don't like to make an opinion about people until I meet them. But you, you put yourself out there to for people to have opinions about <laughs> you. So I'm pretty sure she's a nice person. You know, in 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 reality, Most people are. yeah. Um, the the character, of course, um, sh she's supposedly nine years old. That's according to the director and Sarah Silverman. The director is Rich Moore, by the way, of uh, Record Bell. Precocious nine-year-old, goodness. Um, well, according to John Lasseter, executive producer, she is 12 years old. So a little bit of conflict. There. That makes more sense to me, but. But ultimately, she's just a she's a video game character. So she's yeah, not she's like an adult in a child's body, frankly. Like mm -hmm. I, I guess. So yeah, what like would seem to disqualify her from being an official Disney princess in my mind is the fact that she's a virtual reality character and not like an actual human. Right. And she exists in this meta un in this meta universe. That's mm -hmm. like the real world where Disney is a thing and Amazon's a thing and all the princesses are a thing. It's like, yeah, she's kind of, she's outside of it. She's mm -hmm. sort of, yeah, yeah, I didn't include her on my list. And if I did, I would probably still put her at, at the bottom. Um, not because I dislike her, but because... Would not date. Yeah. She's a minor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she's virtual and a minor. Maybe this is legal in Japan, but like... I... <laughs> I'm going to mention the ages of all these princesses, and you'll be uh, <laughs> maybe surprised when you hear Poor someone. Docs, they're super young. Mm -hmm. They're super young. I mean, Aurora's 16, I know that much, but anyway. Uh, hi. Whoa, whoa, ladies, I can explain. See, um, I'm a princess too. Wait, what? Yeah, Princess Penelope Von Schweetz of the uh, Sugar Rush Von Schweetzes. I'm sure you've heard of us. It'd be embarrassing for you if you haven't. <laughs> what kind of a princess are you? What kind? Do you have magic hair? No. Magic hands? No. Do animals talk to you? No. Were you poisoned? No. Cursed? No. Kidnapped or enslaved? No. Are you guys okay? Should I call the police? Then I have to assume you made a deal with an underwater sea witch where she took your voice in exchange for a pair of human legs? No. Good <gasps> lord, who would do that? Have you ever had true love's kiss? Ew, barf! Do you have daddy issues? I don't even have a mom. Neither do we! And now for the million dollar question. Do people assume all your problems got solved because a big, strong man showed up? Yes, what is up with that? She, she is, is a princess. <laughs> so, of course, the next princess is um, Moana. And um, that movie came out in late 2016, uh, directed by Disney uh, legendary directors Ron Clements and John Musker. But, Dawson, you have not seen Moana. Have not. I'm afraid I have no opinion. Shoot. Well, the Alan um, Tudyk chicken sounds really cool, but that's all I yeah. know. Oh, and I've seen the shiny scene. Okay. And that scene. Oh, really no, cool. really? Especially that's probably out. one of the worst scenes in the movie. I'm, but it's I'm the guy guessing. from Flight of Concord, so it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I know that. That'll make it better. And, it uh, works. In context, I'm sure it makes sense. So, yeah. But anyway. 
I mean, it's unfortunate we didn't have, you know, we couldn't have taken more time to prep and brush up on all of the, <laughs> but like, I, it's been a while since I've seen Cinderella. So like, I'm not totally up on a lot of these things either. I, my better reference for Cinderella would be the live action version, to be honest. But um, I did see the the old classic Cinderella surprisingly recently. But Okay. Um, yeah, so Moana uh, on my you... list is number 11. W where'd she appear on yours? Moana for me is in that second group of 10. I think she's number seven. Mm -hmm. And I really, really liked her movie. I thought obviously the music was amazing. You know, I don't know if I went into the movie with um, a weird idea of what the ocean represented and who Moana represented. So that might have like put a weird taste in my mouth. I've only seen it once. But I, I mean, I love her hair. I love her songs. I love everything. But someone told me before I went to it that she was supposed to be Hillary Clinton and the ocean was the glass ceiling and she's breaking through that line. Oh, so like the whole time I'm watching it, I was trying to make these comparisons. That sounds like the worst way to see him. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, the movie for me was a little bit ruined because I thought Moana was supposed to be whatever. Nothing's, uh, nothing's <laughs> ever going to be that allegorically cut and dry, but oh man, wow. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm probably not, I should probably watch it again with a clearer head because I was looking for symbolism where there probably like wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. But I love her. I love her character. She, she doesn't stand out as amazing, but she doesn't fall back at the end. She's really strong. Um, mm -hmm. And all of the newer princesses, you know, all of the princesses are strong in their own way. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, they, one thing I didn't really like that they did with Moana, and I'll just talk about it real quick, is they really pushed for her to emphasize that she wasn't a princess there's a lot of like scenes where she i think the rock says something about like he's making fun of her and calling her princess and she's really like adamant that she isn't a princess and i thought that that was like unnecessary mm -hmm. like they're trying to make fun of the stereotype of princesses when really they should just embrace that a princess can do those things and i don't know i i didn't really like that part of her. She's a daughter of a chief, right? Right, or, right. So I'm not a princess. I'm a whatever it's the warrior. Pocahontas thing. I mean, they're both, yeah, princess. And Vanellope von Schweetz actually in Wreck It Ralph. She, well, no, they actually, what you just said is kind of what happens where um, she, like, there's a moment where she appears in a gown and looks like a princess, but then she dis disrobes on screen. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> then she gets out of that get up and goes back to her normal thing. Um, and Ralph calls her a princess and she's like, yeah, I know I am a princess, but I'm still the same old me. And I'm like, that's, I love that. That's really nice. Yeah. That I would have liked. I think, I think Moana's a little more like pushback against that hmm. title. And I don't think there was really a need to do that, but I'm sure the, they were just trying to accommodate some type of, kind of audience member that would hmm. want her to not be a princess, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, you know, very like capable, like just performing physical tasks and you know intellectual things like navigation. She's, she's a natural born navigator, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw that on a on packaging today, so I know something about Moana. <laughs> and I I don't know if it qualifies as magical powers, um, but she's able to interact with the ocean or the spirit of the ocean. So, um, she's a waterbender, yeah. I mean, so she's kind of like Elsa and um, Rapunzel, I suppose. Are, are magic the, hair, yeah. Rapunzel yeah. has that magic hair, you know. I never thought about that. That the last few that came out, they have like a power, mm -hmm. huh? Huh, and compared to the ones in the past, so True. that's 
I never thought of the Rena. Did none of the Renaissance princesses have powers? I mean, Pocahontas. Well, Little Mermaid's. No, somebody. Um, you know, sometimes people bring them power. And she's voiced by uh, Ali Cravalho, a, a Hawaiian actress. Um, I guess Moana's nationality would be Polynesian. Um, it's set in the Pacific Ocean, but you know, several thousand years ago, so um, not necessarily in any kind of you know specific time frame. Um, sh she's 16 years old, um, and yeah, she's uh, interacts with <laughs> a uh, Polynesian god, a demigod, or she yeah, she, she befriends a god. But she befriends the rock, because mm -hmm. who would? Does Kevin Hart show up as like a little demigod in the movie? I'm I'm Mawiwi. <laughs> I don't let's know. Throw, yeah. Let's somehow make a penis joke because that just has to happen every time those two get together. Anyway. Yeah, um, Kevin Hart. He's over at Illumination. Oh yeah. Anyway. All right. Them. Anyway. Well, we'll it. move on to the next one from thir uh, 2013's Frozen. Um, we'll just go oldest, youngest, uh, princess, and eventually queen, Elsa. She's 21. She's the oldest at 21? Well, she's the oldest of the princesses. That is correct. Um, Norwegian in nationality, or, you know, Arendelle is like the made-up kingdom, but it's um, geographically centered in Norway. Um, voiced, of course, by Idina Menzel. Uh, famous Broadway performer and singer. And I know, Jody, you were saying something earlier about how El Elsa should no longer technically be a Disney princess. Yes, it's actually very funny because I never thought of it that way before, but at the events that we host, we announce all the princesses and we call her the Snow Queen because, I mean, Hans Christian Andersen wrote the Snow Queen, who else is based off of, so we can scoot past that little copyright law but um we call her the snow queen and kids always say oh she's not a princess she shouldn't be here she's she's a queen and i think kids notice that a lot and so i guess I, when i think of her now i don't think of her as a princess i sort of think of her as like one more mature step above whatever the princesses fall into i mean i have her on my list here but mm -hmm. uh yeah kids definitely call her a queen she's up there with the queen of hearts from alice in, in wonderland <laughs> she's in that class <laughs> uh, cold yeah, I, I mean, technically, queens are still princesses. But then by that logic, yes, the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. She's a Disney princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Alice in Wonderland is actually one of the princesses of hearts. Okay, hold on. How, why is Alice a princess? She can't be. Well, why, no, why is she not, you mean? No, is she a princess? Never mind, because I think no. she is in Kingdom Hearts, and that one never made sense to me. But anyway, moving on. Mm -hmm. uh, no, yeah. So El Elsa is a prince. Well, she's a princess for most of the movie, and I'm for, for, no, no, just no, the beginning. For like two seconds of the yeah. I'm sorry, that was my bad. But Missing yeah, I mean, she she embodies all the you know principal characteristics of a Disney princess, and so I mean, she, she definitely. Yeah, she, I mean, number one, she is technically a princess, being a queen. It's just kind of a semantics thing. Um, and then, yeah, she's, you know, she looks like a Disney princess. Um, she's one of the few to actually have magical powers, which is interesting. Um, and I, for me, like, she's number one because of 
yeah, her voice, her journey, the the musical number "Let It Go," it's incredible, and like the um, you know the reconciliation at the end of that film between the two characters, Elsa and Anna being my number one and two, is one of the most powerful moments for me in all of cinema. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, I'm very partial to Elsa. Um, that I can't even bring to mind. I feel so bad. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Philip's like the number one fan of Frozen, so I knew he'd want to talk about this first. Yeah, and well, I don't even think that. I mean, that movie got so much recognition, and it was like honestly like a revolution and brought a bunch of people like back into loving Disney. Mm -hmm. But I really think that Rapunzel is so much stronger of a character that I'm surprised that because I think did Tangled come out two or three years before Frozen? Tangled was 2010. Okay, yeah, I guess I, I was surprised that more people didn't fall in love with with Tangled in comparison to Frozen. And I don't know if it's just that power ballad or if it's the costume change or the two princesses, but but uh, yeah, I don't know. You can count I, me I as one of those who, who prefers Rapunzel over, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to discount. It's you, still yeah, amazing, absolutely. There are all these like cool moments in Frozen right. that easily stand out, but overall in the big picture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Fro Frozen is, and that's part of why I love it so much. It's an exceptionally stylish film. And some of the, like, it sort of also embodies a bit of a minimalism with sort of that Scandinavian, just rural culture and ice. Ice is like a very reductive element. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all about kind of perfection and, um, you know, precision. And, and yeah, like, she, it is a power ballad. Idina Menzel's voice, I've since gone on to really love Idina Menzel. Um, and speaking of, of style, um, one, here, here's one little thing I'll throw out, uh, which is my little fan fiction in my head of where, where I think the Frozen universe should go. I, I think it'd be super cool if like Elsa could create like an ice lightsaber type of thing. <laughs> Like like hiccup and how to train your dragon. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Freaking sick. Or the owls and guardians of Ghoul with their icicle swords. Yeah, just think of her like procuring a sword made of ice just out of thin air. That'd be like the she coolest. She can make an entire suit of armor, but they won't do that because that's too cool. Well, we'll see. That's my one pitch for today. And she and or the final boss of the movie is she has to go up against the Lord of the Flame, Sid the Sloth. <laughs> no, they they should have dragons. Um, they should. I agree. An ice dragon, like with the Night King's. Anyway, okay. Mm -hmm. well, well, yeah, Jody, or did we, did you talk about why Elsa is where she is on your list? Yeah, I mean, I think she was kind of middle ground. She was in my second section of five. I kind of like did five, five, four. Um, I think. I mean, it's the same reasons that Philip likes her. I like her, but I. As far as her storyline, I guess I just didn't connect with her as much um, as I did the other ones. And I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about Elsa. Not very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I, I think the, uh, I, I, I try to, when I think about Let It Go, I really have to like separate my annoyance and just burn out of it from like, the, the acknowledgement that like it is a really phenomenal piece and that in the movie like when it happens that is a really cool moment I, I at least I it definitely moved me the first time but then you hear enough theater majors singing it in the halls for a year and it really starts to grate on you um but uh yeah there, I think Elsa has a cool moment where 
I thought she was about to kill a guy. Like she had a what? What was that moment with the crossbow? Um, yeah, she was being attacked by two guards wielding crossbows, and like she's about to push one. Yeah, into an icicle like blade, right? Like, um, well, like or, over over a cliff. Yeah, and I wish she had done that. If she had done that, she would be a lot higher on this list. But no, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I basically feel pretty passe about her. I mean, she's very stoic. She's very serene um she ignored her sister <laughs> by my understanding for absolutely no reason for um to protect her i think is what to they protect, try to say mm -hmm. yeah but like that doesn't make any sense hey uh sister best friend so i've got these powers um let's talk and then they could have had a conversation and then been friends for the rest of us so that just the whole premise of frozen i think is on thin ice uh -huh. um uh, <laughs> uh but no mm -hmm. um and like Philip was, I mean, mm -hmm. like the precision and the, I, I really, that's a really cool way of putting it. Like everything that this kind of like whole um, concept or style to, you know, Scandinavia and who she is as a person and her powers and her whatever. That's probably why Belle is number one on my list because I'm a huge Hermione Granger fan. Anytime that like intellect is the number one quality, like in a girl, I'm like, there and i really like want to know what they do with that character um and obviously she is like i mean the most beautiful girl in town but like she's also known as being odd and is a bookworm and her father's crazy uh, and a genius um <laughs> and uh so yeah i think and that that's just why i've always i've always kind of loved her for that reason mm -hmm. that she's the smart one i guess yeah um, i mean elsa's reported to be like very intelligent and there's a lot that is undefined about their backstory which I like I kind of leaving a lot of that open to interpretation and instead I feel like the film explores a lot of the like really subtle latency of emotional trauma that can build up over like seemingly innocent gestures or um circumstances just just that pure you know fact of them being uh sort of estranged from each other at least emotionally um throughout their upbringing how that has an effect on a person and their psychology and i thought that was handled really well in frozen um and, and i feel like i you know <laughs> i mean you're my brother and and like even in our family like our relationships to each other I think have followed similar um, paradigms in certain ways as well. And it's sort of a similar case for a lot of like America where we right. aren't a very affectionate country and like physical touch is sort of, you know, frowned upon. We can, we can be very just uh, apathetic sometimes. Right. And you kind of, and I, I agree with all of that, but in, in, Fro in Frozen, it's like just so cut and dry they haven't made con I mean, it, it, it let, it leaves it as if it's enough to believe that they simply did not contact each other for, you know, 10 years or so until mm. suddenly the day of their coronation and they're talking and it's no, I mean, if you not quite sure how they ended up there or you a little more, it could be a little more clear of their backstory. Would I would have, mm -hmm. I think the sequel is going to go into that. I was reading a main, obviously right now it's just like ideas, but I heard that the sequel is going to go into those blank areas a little bit and have more flashbacks into their childhood so maybe mm -hmm. we'll find out 
I yeah. think they, cause like that, that's enough to base the story off of like people really like love the sister dynamic. Like there doesn't have to be one princess, one prince. Like the story doesn't have to be about that. It can be mm-hmm. about something different, something more, something familial. So, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's exciting. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, I feel like their dynamic would have been a lot different if it would have been just a straight up, um, seclusion from one another like they would have just been like super awkward and unfriendly well, with each other and it was kind of at the core it, it was awkward but it, they they it wasn't like they were um resentful towards no each and and i did because i didn't really know what and i didn't really know what to think we don't have to beat this that horse but like yeah no. during <laughs> like i didn't know how to interpret what was going on because i didn't have enough of a basis to form an interpretation i guess mm-hmm. but yeah, um, well, this segues into our Anna discussion too. She's number two on my list, um, and uh, jo- for Jody, she's much higher up on your list. So I definitely want your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think I said it earlier, but Anna mm-hmm. makes it up into the top five, and I think it's just because she's so relatable. Aside from Rapunzel, I would think that Anna's the only princess that kind of says things and then retracts them so she kind of her brain is clicking before her mouth can keep up or maybe it's the opposite do you know what i mean and i find that really endearing in a character uh it's she bumps into hans um i philip you might remember this scene better but she bumps into hans and she's like oh you're handsome and i'm awkward or she says something like that yeah you're gorgeous wait what exactly amazing that scene that's when she really to me like I was like, okay, this is a girl I want to get behind because she was sort of unlike Cinderella and Aurora and Snow White. And I mean, honestly, almost all of them. She she makes mistakes with her words and she's a little jerky and a little bit not graceful. And I think a lot of girls can relate to Anna and Rapunzel in that sense, because I think before that, it, it maybe the other princesses do it, but it's like few and far between. Whereas with Anna, it's it's who she is, is not this refined, perfect thing. That's uh, very well put. Can we, I, can we all kind of agree that like the, the older classical Disney movies and the older classical Disney princesses, they have this archetypal beauty. Like I really appreciate those films, but mm-hmm. I think all of those princesses ranked fairly low compared to the more modern ones. Like mm-hmm. the more modern princesses all have just more well-defined characters. And I've, I've always found the older ones generally more boring. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Snow White I can't stand Cinderella I'm sorry that whole movie mm-hmm. is so boring and the mice you can't understand a word they're saying so that's annoying and then Snow White I don't even remember uh um, Aurora though like I love like the waltz I know you in the forest and like her mm-hmm. she does some things that are really fun and even though she ends up asleep on a bed and of course the, the Prince Philip fight with the dragon that's one of the best moments in all Disney but mm-hmm. anyway um we all rank them fairly low if I'm not mistaken all right, so next up is Merida uh, from Pixar in 2012. Uh, Merida is a Scottish princess. Uh, she's 16. And yeah, what are y'all thoughts on Merida? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Brave? No, so this one's all Dawson. She, I, I love a wild redhead, I do. <laughs> um, but I remember going, being maybe more excited to see this Pixar film than like any Pixar film ever because it's a Scottish redheaded woman holding a bow and I love archers I love Scotland I love I was ready for like the Braveheart of Pixar movies and then it ended up being about a girl and her mom who was a bear and so I was 
utterly let down by that film and I have no desire to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, 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 well, one of the things I thought about it was this is a good movie for mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's fine. I mean, maybe, you know, whatever, but just didn't, the story was not compelling really at all for me. Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, she, she doesn't sing. She's voiced by Kelly McDonald, um, Scottish actress. She, one thing you might recognize her from is uh, Harry Potter. She played the the Ravenclaw ghost in, in like the Deathly Hallows part two, I think. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the ghost of Helen, Helen. Her, her it's like her daughter the daughter okay. of helena ravenclaw yeah uh, but yeah um she doesn't sing I, I mean i enjoy the character merida yeah we we briefly talked about this but yeah um the the film was so, somewhat disappointing it did get the um the best animated film oscar over wreck it ralph that year yeah um, i call i call fake news on that but, <laughs> but pixar has to get it so well, I, it's it's certainly you know disappointing for Pixar is still pretty competent as far as a film. Like I would rather watch Brave than a lot of animated movies out there, um, and I've seen it a couple of times. I I wouldn't because there because I I've, I'm realizing how many Studio Ghibli movies I haven't seen. So like I need to make it through all those before I'd watch Brave again. But certainly. I have to say, I meet like thousands of kids and nobody knows her name. They all think she's called Brave and not many kids even notice when she's not there. (laughs) I would say she's probably like the least favorite of all children of the top 14. Like, I don't think kids know about her. I don't think a lot of kids watched her. She's the redheaded stepchild. Definitely. Of the, of the Disney princesses. Oh, that makes sense. I gave my mommy a cake, she turned into a big bear, my Aldrin tried to dare in. If that's not a pure mess, I don't know what is. Uh, we can't understand her. She's from the other studio. Ah. Ralph breaks the internet. So next up is Rapunzel uh, from the movie Tangled, released in 2010, uh, based on the German folktale. Yeah, Rapunzel is uh, 18 in the film. Um, in fact, a large part of it is set on her birthday. Um, and yeah, we, we've talked about Rapunzel a little bit, um, but she's number three for me, um, number one for you, Jody. So clearly you have a strong yep. connection. Mm-hmm. And she's number three for me if we remove Kyrie from her spot at number <laughs> So yeah, we all are big fans of Rapunzel here. And technically, I probably like her better than Alanwi from The Black Cauldron, if purely objectively, but I was just so excited about being different, mm-hmm. and I love her mm-hmm. so much. Anyway. Yeah, masterfully voiced by Mandy Moore. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, I mean, the, the music, I mean, same with Moana, like, she has some great ballads, in, uh, Moana does, and then Rapunzel, um, like, I really love the I See the Light uh, song. It really brought back yeah. memories of, like, classic disney um musicals and it has been that a while duet mm-hmm. is like as good as anything out there in my yeah. opinion i mean alan Menken returned to score for um tangled i was just going to say that uh, mm-hmm. i love the score i could listen to their soundtrack constantly mm-hmm. i think okay i don't know if should i just talk but i just mm-hmm. want to say like the thing I found like the best about Rapunzel compared to the other princesses is I feel like she's like more self-aware of like a dream ending when it comes true. And I don't 
remember exactly what the phrase is that she says to Flynn, but she's basically saying like, what if I get to see these floating lanterns and it's not everything that I hoped for? And then he kind of tells her like, that's the beauty is you get to like pick a new dream. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of the other princesses ever have that fear of getting what they want and being less than content with it. And I thought that again, was just like a really relatable note is like, there's a lot of us who, who have a dream or set a goal and sometimes we reach it and it, it's strangely like not what we hoped for. And I liked that she was just really aware of those types of things. I mean, I love everything about Rapunzel, but that was my favorite part of who she was. Is she leaves that tower and she she kind of knows that it could be the beginning of the end of something. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliantly well said. said, wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, I there's definitely some real heavy moments in uh, Tangled, like, she gets subject to some pretty nasty abuse in that film. And manipulation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh. Like the scene when like she's holding Flit. I mean, those scenes are painful to watch her. And her what? Yeah. I mean, it's such a powerful moment. Um, and, and like definitely um, dark for a Disney movie, but definitely a true return to form for Disney animation and like the return uh, or at least the first, like, she, she was the first computer animated Disney princess. Um, mm -hmm. And it was the most expensive uh, Disney animated film, um, largely because um, of all the research and development that went into just coming up with a style that was uh, acceptably reminiscent of the original 2D style. I'm still blown away by Jody's analysis there. That was, that was really something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so next would be The Princess and the Frog, um, released in the year 2009, featuring the Disney princess Tiana, voiced by Anika Nani Rose. Tiana is 19 years old in the film. Uh, it's about her, I guess, a loose adaptation of uh, the frog prince uh, fairy tale. I know she's she's number 13. She's kind of lowered down, but obviously still love the character. Yeah. She spends too much time as a frog, though. I was just going to say that, Dawson. I think the oh. frog princess is like one of Disney's biggest mistakes. Like they have, and I don't know if I can talk about race, but they have one African-American princess and she's a princess for like two minutes she's a frog the entire time she's my she's second to the last on mine which is disappointing because i love her but the movie is i mean i don't know who wrote that movie but it sucks i hate that movie i think oh, it's bad it's which is i mean i just don't think it's good at all i think that they picked like the worst time period and the worst like situation to really put odd. an african-american all the way around in. and right. I, I wish they would have thought it through yeah it, it's very bizarre it's like here she is this this person of color that can like stand out and be a role model for all these little girls and you make her green what <laughs> i think i don't know it was such a tragedy no, to me I, I don't even want to talk about it i think it's really sad no yeah i'm i mean i'm i'm more or less with you i mean there were like moments like i guess structurally the story maybe you know works and like the the little bug who love, is in love with the star oh, like mm -hmm. that's like yeah cute. Sweet, there's like sweet. these there's cute moments and stuff but I mean, also just like an oddly horrifying like villain for children, like in this, oh. it's like this movie that doesn't work in so like, as you just said, like it's a mess. And then also like children were screaming and crying when I saw it in theaters. I'm like, 
<laughs> what oh, audience no. for? <laughs> like what? Um, I mean, I thought that was cool that it was so like, hor- like you know, hell like scary. But I mean, <laughs> so. the voodoo. But but like yeah, why voodoo? Why this region? Why this time period? Why what? Mm. You know, anyway. The worst. Oh no, I, I Philip, I have you ever read the reviews on it? Do you know if other people are like similarly disappointed or if it's just us or um I don't know what other people had to say about that movie, but I'd be interested if someone thought it was amazing. It has a good aggregate score of critics on Metascore. IMDB, it's got a seven point one. So it's it's very well regarded. Um but yeah, it does Even have some the story like works, which I think it technically does. I'd still mm-hmm. just like don't care for it like and i mm-hmm. don't really ever feel like a, a need to watch it like or mm-hmm. want to watch it yeah anyway yeah well it's also a film by ron clements and john musker and like they've had a long and storied career at disney and um they like they've had their hits right. and misses but i mean they were responsible for the little mermaid which is you know just such a phenomenal success um, as well as Aladdin, too. Like, two of the biggest hits yeah. of the Disney Renaissance era were Ron Clements and John Musker films. No but, question. And they're pretty brilliant. Did, were yeah. they responsible for Atlantis? Uh, no. Treasure Planet, though, which was a disappointment. <sighs> what? No, Treasure Planet's phenomenal. It's, I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, disappointed in the box office. Yeah. And Captain Amelia is one of those, like, I thought of her, and I'm like, oh, pr-. no, she's not a princess, but she's amazing. Mm-hmm. They also did Hercules too, um, and the Great I Mouse forgot. Detective. I, I forget about Hercules. Weird. Mm-hmm. Megger is not really. Okay, then I guess I want to take back what I said about them not taking the time to make this movie because clearly they did. It just didn't hit with me because yeah. I mean clearly they tried, but I just thought it was disappointing. There's a certain amount of regret on the part of the Disney brass uh, at the naming of the film. Um, the princess and the frog like what we were saying about like how naming conventions have sort of changed to suit a more general audience of both boys and girls mm-hmm. what were they gonna call it frogged <laughs> they could have called it like hop or something like tangled hop. hopped well maybe not i don't Warty. know mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> testicle metaphor <laughs> that was pretty That's the original story anyway oh, interesting well it was pretty funny how um ralph refers to him as frogger oh yeah My frog. <laughs> I love that. okay so next up we go from 2009's princess in the frog to 1998's mulan with we have that course... many years without a princess yeah we had home on the range though with a couple cows it was horrible I remember loving that movie, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> I remember thinking it was the funniest thing. Oh my gosh. We had Bolt, too. It was probably fun. I mean, The Emperor's New Groove, like. Oh my God, Emperor's New Groove. Yzma is my favorite princess. <laughs> That's one of the best. Okay, so they just did a lot of random movies. Anyway, we're talking about princesses. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. on Yeah, um, she's 16, voiced by actress Ming Na Wen. Um, singing voiced by Leah Salonga, uh, who also provided the singing voice for Jasmine. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And uh, sh- I think she's uncredited too, like in, in the actual credits of the movies. 
um, but on IMDb, that's that's well, what it's only sings one song, right? Uh, yeah. Or, and Jasmine only sings in uh, uh, I Can Show You the World or whatever that's called. Yeah, they don't sing that much. Um, I think Mulan sings in more than just the one song, but um, she, oh, she a has girl like... fighting for how about a girl who's got a brain <laughs> <laughs> and always speaks her mind? Nah. I love Mulan. Uh, I love everything about it. And I love the character Mulan. I guess she's just not in my top like five and she's definitely not in my lower five, but mm -hmm. I, anyway. Yeah, she, she kicks butt, but I, there's not as much emotional resonance for me. I, I love her song, Reflections. Um, Jody, what do you think? She's in my bottom five. Um, and it's probably a silly reason, but I think when I was a kid, I didn't understand how brave it was of her to go to war. I guess I didn't really have a concept of what it would mean to sacrifice like your life for your dad. And now that I'm older, I, I appreciate her more, but I, I, I guess I sort of based my list off of like my impulse thoughts of the movie. And unfortunately mm -hmm. my second grade impulse thoughts were, why does she want to look like a boy? Mm -hmm. So. I, now, now, honestly, like if I had to rate them off of how I feel about them now, she'd probably be a lot, be a lot higher up. Mm -hmm. But when I originally watched the movie, I, I'm probably on the same page as you, Philip. Like I thought it was good. I thought she was awesome, but I didn't like it. Didn't impact me. It was just this story. That's another phenomenal point too. I mean, like, ch like Chinese honor culture. Like, what kid knows anything about that? And so, like, yeah, I never really understood the significance of the story as a kid either. I just I love, you know, that she had a sword and there was a big, right. the avalanche scene was mm -hmm. always just so gripping. And like, it had all these things that I liked as a boy. Um, and then I have come to appreciate like, yeah, like you said, what she, what she does for her father. And of course the scene when she's preparing and that there's that like epic synth music or whatever, that's such, that's so VA. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird having Eddie Murphy as sort of a proto donkey in the form of yeah, Mushu. <laughs> oh, I uh, love Mushu. Is that, is that like a non-cool thing to say or? I mean, uh, no, no. I mean, he's a well-liked character. He just sort of, you know, shifts the tone a little bit. <laughs> Stony. <laughs> when he's trying to, when he's trying to <laughs> awaken the great, great stone <laughs> dragon. Mushu, have you awoken him yet? And then he pops up with the stone and out of the bushes and talks to George. Good. So mm -hmm. much good stuff. Fun fact, Mulan has the highest kill count out of any Disney princess. Um, she's responsible, yeah, for the deaths of approximately um, 1,995, is what I read. Uh, so the writers so of Rohan. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because like at, at some point in some like reference book it says like oh he's got a 2000 man army and so someone literally took that to mean 2000 to the t uh, so like when she wipes out well, why not with with the avalanche <laughs> well no and it's so funny because in, in in the two towers aragorn says to theoden you know you've got 2000 riders out in in rohan abroad and then both these armies of 2000 horsemen have a scene where one rider appears at the precipice of a hill and then his whole army fans out alongside him and i just i love it anytime there's a scene like that in any movie and mulan did it so epically that's just such a freaking scary and awesome how many men does it take to deliver a message what? oh my gosh that part is really scary 
so sick. Once I finally like figured out what was happening in that scene. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so cool. I mean, yeah, really scary. Shan Yu, the grappling hooks. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So she causes the avalanche that wipes out the army, and then there's six guys who emerge, including Shan Yu, and then later in the movie she kills Shan Yu. So. Wow. That's. That's so hot. <laughs> Dawson slowly moves her up the list. I, I'm thinking about it now. Anyway, yeah. she should probably be higher than Jasmine. Anyway, I don't. Oh no, Jasmine's amazing too. We just haven't talked about her yet. She is. So next up, 1995's Pocahontas. So another film that's named after the princess, um, and she's high on my list mainly because of the music but um as as far as the film goes it's not my favorite i think i, I really like it as a film and now that i'm thinking about it i have pocahontas higher than mulan i should switch that around she was number six for me so she's not very high up or very low up sorry phil go ahead oh no no um she's voiced by irene bedard um uh, singing voice is provided by Judy Kuhn, and in, at the time of the film, she's 18. I mean, I I just like her free spirit. Um, a lot of like real powerful messages about um, breaking out of just the same old uh, mold. You know, embracing change, embracing um, nature, and uh, kind of going back to one's roots as a human um, instead of just conforming to. Um, all the standards set by society. I mean, she's, she's kind of rebellious, but um, at the same time, you know, has all the great qualities that you expect to find in a Disney princess. Yeah, yeah. I would say for me, Pocahontas, like I like the themes of, you know, colors of the wind, like getting in touch with nature, things like that. But um, she's actually one that I would probably take off my list if I could, just because I think and I've always sort of felt like this, especially with the events that we do. We don't we don't have Pocahontas just because she's the only princess that's based on someone who truly existed. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, a lot of people can go back and forth about this, but mm -hmm. I don't know if Disney did the best job keeping it accurate. And I think if they wanted to have Pocahontas as a princess, they would have you know, they still could have had her, but they could have done something different with the story and maybe just like mm -hmm. Pocahontas pre-John Smith or something like that. So I don't know. I, I love the movie, but now that I'm an adult, I mm. don't love the movie. Do you know what I, I mean? Keep, yeah, I keep hearing that too. And I guess, and I don't know enough about the actual history to like totally, like right. I, so I'm, I'm still like, well, I, I like this movie. I don't have a mm -hmm. reason to not like it, but like once I know more, um, I'm sure I'll, I would agree with that because I do keep hearing that. A great companion, of course, to the Disney Pocahontas is Terrence Malick's The New World, um, where, fun fact, Christian Bale plays, he might even play like the same character in both the Disney version and then in the, in the Terrence Malick playback. Really? I didn't know that. That is a fun fact. Yeah, uh, the, the red-headed dweeb who shoots and murders <laughs> Cocoam, like one Really? Of the that's Christian Bale. That is that is the best thing I've learned on this whole podcast. I think that's that's really interesting. And I do I like contribute. like Pocahontas. I'm not trying to say I don't like the movie. I just think as an adult now, mm -hmm. I'm a little more like yeah. woke. It, I mean, it's it certainly isn't. Yeah, it's not faithful to history really at all. It it just happens to be kind of a Romeo and Juliet story that happens to insert characters like Pocahontas and John Smith. Um, you know, people in history, but 
yeah, the story just doesn't really have much resemblance. Is she the only princess that's based off of a real human and named after a real human? Um, Mulan is like a classic Chinese legend, but I don't think it's clear whether she was a real person. Um, so yeah, in terms of like a confirmed historical figure, Pocahontas is the the only princess. Right. I'm and she's amazing. She's amazing. I just think it's funny that they chose to make a movie about Pocahontas. They should have just called mm -hmm. her something else and then the movie would have been a lot stronger probably. Well, I think they were on this role where they were like starting to do that more like they had done the fairy tales and then they were like, well, let's do a Greek god. And now let's do like a classic novel, which was Hunchback, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And they're like, we really love doing this classic historical drama, epic pieces. So yeah. let's do Pocahontas, our first historical yeah. princess. Princess, yeah. and then that, yeah. Well, Poca it, yeah, Pocahontas preceded both Hunchback and Hercules, oh. but it's possible, you know. That was their train of thought. Maybe they could have developed. Uh, came out after Hunchback, didn't it? No, no, Hunchback was '96. But they might have like been developed around the same time. Around right. Mm -hmm. um, and and like Pocahontas was also meant to be sort of the prestige picture of that production cycle over right. um, the Lion King, which came out the year before. Um, but yeah, Pocahontas was supposed to be their like Oscar-winning like yeah Braveheart, mm -hmm. but yeah, Lion King is kind of the the king. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is Nala by far. I was actually going to ask that. If Nala's a princess, I might need to re rearrange my list again because Nala is amazing. You need to get your cosplayers on that. Get some I bet Nala. I have someone who's done Nala. I would have to look, though. Some furries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could make a case for it. I don't know. I just think that they're going to have to come out with the Disney princess spinoff movie now. And so like my elevator pitch would be just like all the main princesses versus all the reject princesses who are like wanting to take over the uh, title of, you know, the fairest of them all. Who are the reject princesses? So, so like Nala like could be ones. Like where they all. What's that? Nala's not a reject. She becomes the queen in her own, in the pride lands. I, I mean, it, princesses, they're like technically princesses or would have like a claim to the product the, line versus mm -hmm. everyone else. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like Meg from Hercules. Yeah. Yes. She couldn't be bothered with anything that dramatic, but no. <laughs> nobody knows about this movie, but like Stranger Things, uh, not Stranger Things, Strange Magic. <laughs> Um, oh, do you remember that movie? The George Lucas one, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not Disney, is it? So, I mean, Disney owned Lucasfilm at the time of its release, um, and it stars two uh, princesses, like fairy princesses, as the main characters. If I recall, one of I don't them is very attractive, but that's I've never heard anything else. Yeah. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood plays the lead character, Princess Marianne, and then she has a younger sister who gets like bewitched was it good or was it really I, dumb like the movie epic which it, it was to be epic it was really silly space. but i enjoyed it yeah it wasn't really epic it was just more of a, a romance um told around music and like it, it was a pop music soundtrack so oh my god you just described everything i hate like there's always that one scene where the bugs start jamming to some pop song <laughs> the entire film was that 
Um, yeah, it was it was a jukebox musical. Oh, so it was real pop songs, not like made up pop songs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just singing. It was like um, Mamma Mia. Oh, for the love. Okay, interesting. <laughs> that could maybe work. Uh, anyway, we should get going with the real princesses. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, next up is Jasmine. And uh, she appeared in the uh, film Aladdin, of course, from 1992. Uh, she's, her nationality would be uh, Iraqi. Um, and she is apparently 15 years old. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, voiced by Linda Larkin, uh, as well as uh, Leah Salonga for the uh, singing parts. Um, so I, I mean, she, is my number 10 here. Um, she was always kind of like the cool princess because she was in a movie that wasn't based around a princess. Right. And she has the best outfit. Is that kosher? I was just going to say, I feel like she has to be number one for Dawson because I would say Jasmine's the hottest princess that they ever made ever. She like when she's has. in her red costume, her red costume. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. yeah. Talk about Spring Awakenings for a little little Dawson I mean that yeah no like I always yeah, she's like, in my top five though yeah I like her great she's she's well that's such a great song too um a whole new world is just it it was that was like the let it go of its time for sure except it's really irritating because they fly past the Eiffel Tower to indicate Paris and that wouldn't have been around yet, really so. okay yeah, I mean, I've seen the movie a million times. It is very, like, weird. I mean, it, first of all, it doesn't make sense that they'd be able to make it around the world in the course of a single evening or night. Right, it's a magic carpet ride. Like, I'd love to see Santa go it, up against that. It can not only go through, like, hyperspace, uh, you know, traveling at the speed of light, but also, like, through time as well. <laughs> so Yeah, and her hair still looks perfect after this crazy ride. That's the weirdest magic of all. Like, if it's that, if you're going that fast on a magic carpet, your hair would be destroyed. We really should have done a podcast about how Disney hair expectations are just, like, way too high. That could be the next, yeah, <laughs> specifically Disney princess hair. And that does, that has been getting spoofed more and more lately. Like in Wreck-It Ralph 2, Pocahontas's hair is always moving and has like- Oh, I love that. That's funny. I, um, Jasmine has a very, I feel like influential moment in cinema where she has the line, um, you know, in response to the bickering men, you know, I am not a prize to be won. She, she really wants to take control over her own destiny. And I think that's like definitely a, a big part of what makes her so great. Yeah. She refuses both the men, even though Jafar's beard is so twisted. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's, that's the best. <laughs> I love that part too. I don't know if you guys have listened to the soundtrack for Aladdin. It's like a Broadway musical now. Mm. And I think Alan Menken did all of it basically, but, um, they make her even more independent and even stronger in that Broadway musical. And I think that's why she's number five for me. Cool. Um, I mean, she even in the Disney, the Disney um, animated one, she's, mm -hmm. I would say the most spirited. And, and like you said, that scene where she's like, I'm not a prize to be won. Like uh, the only other person that maybe echoes that would be Elsa, which was like decades later, but she really is like strong against, you know, marrying someone who doesn't love her. 
Yeah, I would give, and I would say Belle the same thing because she's like totally oh, yep. go in for Gaston, and then she totally rejects the Beast at first too. But then mm-hmm. once she sees the good in him or whatever, um, yeah, no, I mean, I love that she breaks out of the castle and disguises herself as a peasant in the adventure she goes on with Aladdin and like trying to help the little children, like yeah. getting to know the peasants. She's a very noble mm-hmm. individual. How how that parallels his longing to like be inside the walls of the castle um while she's like uh, she's had enough of that life star crossed so moving on to uh bell uh from 1991's beauty and the beast uh, bell is aged 17 um it's a french fairy tale uh, voiced by Paige O'Hara for dialogue as well as singing. Um, and yeah, Dawson, you should start in on Belle. Uh, she's your favorite Disney princess. Yeah, what can I say? I mean, I, I just, I've always loved Beauty and the Beast. I think it's probably my favorite Disney animated film. It was the first one to be nominated for, it was the first animated film ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, just that opening image and the opening orchestral score like really sets the tone for the adventure that you're about to go on and she's got a great song right off of the bat and Gaston's a great villain and I you know nobody else really seems to like her she's very you know she's a she's she's a reader she's smart she's she's extra oh, her, her sacrifice you know mm-hmm. for her father like Mm-hmm. all that fits really good and then she you know the, how she stands up to the beast and doesn't give into his his horribleness i guess and mm-hmm. i don't know i just really feel feel for her through you know the entirety of her of her journey all the way mm-hmm. uh, up to the end um and i like i, I mean a lot of people ugh, it, i guess i I, it annoys me i know where they're coming from but it annoys me every time everyone says oh it's the syndrome what's the syndrome stockholm syndrome it's a movie about stockholm syndrome and it's like no it's no no. she there's a guy trapped in this monstrous form who she helps to reform i think Mm -hmm. i mean it's i i don't really want to get into the whole depths of it right now but um it's not it's not that simple at all so and jody i've thought of it so what do you think about oh my thoughts on I think the reason why the three of us might find Belle so relatable is, if I can speak for the three of us, we're all pretty adventurous and pretty, you know, big dreamers. And Belle is that as well. And being isolated sort of in a small town and just feeling this potential inside you and this, you kind of know about this outside world, but you can't seem to get to it, whether it's because your family's in this small town or your job or whatever's holding you back. So I I think that's a reason why for me, Belle was really, again, relatable, like what I said about Rapunzel and um, Anna is just because she, she's kind of trapped um, in that place. And then, you know, she gives up her freedom again to another extent to save her father. Right. Um, she and gets to a place outside of the known world and it's not through circumstances wanted. It's worse. It's darker and scary. But then she meets the kind souls within that world and uh, who, and then she, and then she ends up having this beautiful, happy life and then gives it up to, to try to go find and, and help her father and uh and then things get worse again like you know with the whole raiding of the castle and everything and um you know so 
there's a lot of back and forth of the circumstances. It's a really, um, yeah, a lot of conflict in that film at different times. Yeah. I think, I think she's a great character. And I think, I mean, like you guys said, with a lot of these movies, they get so high up on our ranking because of the music. And I think the music from Beauty and the Beast has to be some of my favorite. Um, And, you know, it shouldn't be all about the transformation, but there is that scene in the ballroom with her and the Beast where she sort of becomes, she's never a girly girl, but she puts on this ball gown and she has this really special moment. It's sort of like when Elsa transforms into her ice dress, but I don't know, like who doesn't love Such that an scene? Iconic gold, the it is. It's and that moment, yes. And the song by and the song, yes, oh. all of it. I think she's great, and I think I could talk about Belle probably forever. But yeah, same. I think, like I said, we we can all connect with her probably because of our upbringing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now we're all in bigger cities, so <laughs> yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention uh, Jody and I are high school classmates, same graduating class and everything. So, yeah. All right. Well, so um, next up is Ariel from 1987's The Little Mermaid. Um, she's number five on my list, just one above Belle for me. Um, and I, my reasoning for that is just how Ariel is like the kind of definitive uh, archetype of the Disney princess, especially the modern Disney princess. Um, and like her struggle, it's just so like such a, um, genuine, like inner conflict for her. Um, she, um, she doesn't have as much necessarily thrust upon her, like Belle, um, in terms of conflict, but it's, it's just so like, I, I love the introspectiveness of her character and how she likes, she seems to have everything. Like she starts out as royalty and a princess. Um, but she, she has this one longing and one dream. Um, and um, I think for a lot of us, you know, growing up in a society where like we do have a lot of uh, luxuries at our disposal that just weren't available several years ago. I mean, you know, decades ago, I mean, things were we're all, you know, spoiled in a sense. And it's kind of about this spoiled girl um, who um, finds really her coming of age. Um, so yeah, Ariel, she's 16 years old in the film. It's, it's a Danish story. Um, and yeah, she's voiced by- Love the original, by the way, of all the, of all the fairy tales. Like that mm-hmm. one I've actually probably read and, and enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Hans Christian Andersen, is that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then she's voiced by Jody Benson as yeah. well. Who also did Thumbelina, which I know isn't a Disney princess, but Thumbelina is voiced by Jody Benson as well. And she is okay. a spirited little character. Mm. But I have that's to watch kind of that off again. Topic. My fiance and I were just talking about Thumbelina and we both really love it, but I don't remember it at all. <laughs> Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah, she meets that prince. I mean, I mean, it's similar to a lot of these stories, but but like same with same as Ariel. Like you always want something that you you don't have, and I think mm-hmm. she wants wings, whereas Ariel wants feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. And that I love. I love when she you know hops up on the deck, and I mean she or the statue. She becomes in love with this man she doesn't even know and like in a really in a really powerful really relatable way where it, it, rather than this 
blind, passionate love for another person. She really mm-hmm. falls in love with an idea um, and, and would give up every, everything to pursue that idea, to pursue that dream, I think is really cool. And it's cool how like she and Jasmine both like kind of want to get outside the palace walls, but mm-hmm. Jasmine's dad is a doddering old fool and Ariel's dad is the most powerful masculine tyrants like you can imagine i mean a nice guy but like when mm-hmm. he destroys her freaking stuff oh my gosh that's a painful scene mm-hmm. uh, heartbreaking mm-hmm. when her statue's destroyed and the head is on the ground that's deep yeah oh man mm. heartbreaking and ursula's great yeah yeah you know part of your world such a great song um is it's the quintessential it's it's the quintessential i want song which is a common theme throughout disney princess movies where you look in water and sing about what you want Mm -hmm. i mean they kind of ruined the little mermaid a little bit by making that sequel where her daughter wants to be a mermaid i didn't like that they did that with her but yeah Mm -hmm. ariel was number two for me and i think especially when you're a little kid the Mm -hmm. thought of it's so like dumb but you just like the thought of like being a mermaid and actually living underwater and that movie sort of taking you to the ultimate opposite mm-hmm. world whereas none of the other princesses live underwater do they just her no she's yeah. the only mermaid and i thought that also mm-hmm. made it really magical i'm hoping they're mm-hmm. doing a live action of it because mm-hmm. it could be really beautiful that... and i think it, just having it being set underwater was probably what made her so special and one of my favorites growing up yeah, isn't it coming out this year? It's like starring oh. uh, uh, Jason Momoa and um, Amber Heard. Yeah, plays oh, that really? princess. Um, oh no, that's Aquaman. Um, silly me. Yeah, on the, on the Aquaman post, that her character is definitely a total rip of uh, yeah. real. Definitely put on my spectacles and peered very closely at the screen when I saw that trailer. The, who is this redheaded merwoman? Clint? What? I mean, it's it's a cool look. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, very hot. That does it for like the modern princesses, and so now we get into the the legacy We're princesses. We're skipping Lanwe then. Well, okay. Uh, no, you can talk about her. Uh, the Black Cauldron was nineteen eighty five. Was it? it yes. Was... Okay. So mm-hmm. that because it always seems like people talk about like Disney died with the Black Cauldron, but then it was revived by the Renaissance, which started with the Little Mermaid. It was only a two year difference. Like Little Mermaid came right after the Black Cauldron. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's a, not a very popular Disney movie at all. It kind of bombed. I think it cost the studio a lot of money. I think they a lot of changes happened at that time. They really had to rethink what they were doing. It's not a musical. It's not very well remembered. It's not a faithful adaptation to the source material, which I really enjoy. Um, really so much is is not going for it. And yet I still think it's a very beautiful mess of a film. Um, it's so epic. Well, it's not like as epic as it could be, but it's very dark. It has swords. It has cool characters. The Horned King is horribly scary. And there's lots of really scary, dark stuff. It's the first PG Disney movie and Alanwi is a princess and she has a British accent. I think she's the only Disney princess with a British accent. Um, and she is absolutely adorable. Like she, uh, she pops up. I, I was just watching the clip today. Like the, the theoretically the prince rescues her from a dungeon, right there, but they're all locked in this dungeon kind of wandering aimlessly and she pops up out of a trap door 
and like looks at the little boy and she's like are you a prince and he's like no i'm an assistant pig keeper and she's like oh that's too bad i was really hoping a prince would come and rescue me and she's clearly like halfway through rescuing herself mm-hmm. yeah. and she gives, she just starts baiting him right from mm-hmm. the beginning um and in the yeah. she's actually like in if you've read the series the the chronicles of predane um mm-hmm. which uh is she's up there in my favorite like female characters in literature kind of like a hermione granger type character or um just a really really strong uh character and um that comes through somewhat in the film the black cauldron uh she's probably not really worth as much mention as i've given her but she's unique and Mm -hmm. forgotten often forgotten and that's a bit of a shame because she's wonderful and adorable yeah Uh, voiced by susan sheridan um do you know how old she's supposed to be in the story um no i want to say that 16 region and i heard the yeah. actress died actually okay recently. interesting so, um yeah she yeah. unfortunately passed away in uh 2015 uh, beautiful voice yeah. yeah i mean she's such an appealing character um mm-hmm. incredible design like she's she's one of the prettiest princesses um of of the disney lineup but yeah, Someone sadly, commented on YouTube like she has my sister's seventh grade haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got an unusual haircut. That's that's true. But yeah, um, her charm and her voice. And you have had mm-hmm. cosplayers as Alon yeah. at your events. Okay. Oh, not at my events, no. Oh, no. But um, in the cosplay community, I have friends who have done her before, mm-hmm. and she's so precious. Like I can't really remember anything she says in the movie. I just remember the little Gertie guy who wants the apple. Gertie. Uh... Yeah, that's who I remember standing out from that that one but there's all these wonderful characters and the movie doesn't quite mesh them all like i said the movie doesn't quite do anything quite right and she was number two for you yeah yeah oh yeah i just (laughs) totally a dumb personal thing i i I recognize exactly (laughs) that like we've had so much to talk about with these other princesses and again i haven't even seen black cauldron in so long there's probably it's a good one to pick yeah well there are only only three left to go um and like for me i I, made marion from robin hood (laughs) yep um i (laughs) didn't play dawson (laughs) so he's a fox i would not (laughs) Uh, a a real a literal fox anyway keep going keep going so the art of yeah the, the art of cinema has of course changed a lot since the 50s which is where we'll be going next with um, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Princess Aurora, uh, very pretty name. Huh. It's um, either French or German. There's some conflict on that. Um, and uh, she's voiced by the actress Mary Costa or Costa, uh, age 16 in the film. Um, is it? Yeah, that is literally stated in the curse. Then left. She'll and prick her finger. And tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and um, for me, like, she's relatively high on my list. She's number eight, kind of right in the middle. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that's just because I, I love the movie so much. I yes. watched it a lot growing up. Incredible music from, of course, um, Tchaik- Tchaik- Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Tchaikovsky, yeah. Because it was a ballet first. Mm-hmm. Or- that's right. That's where the music's from, they is from the ballet. The, that's right. They based the film off of ballet. Crazy. Yeah, yeah Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, Russian composer. That man was an absolute... Sorry. What's that? 
Tchaikovsky was a freaking god. Like, oh, yeah, name. didn't he do? He did um, Black Swan and the Nutcracker. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Um, like the only ballets anyone's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Well, if, unless you're like a, in the dance community, I guess. But yeah, and the art style of Sleeping Beauty is also really unique. Like it was very uh, panoramic. Yeah, the the film was presented in Super Technorama. 70 and six channel stereophonic sound in first run engagements first full-length animated feature film to be filmed in anamorphic widescreen following disney's own lady and the tramp four years earlier that i mean the techno yeah the technological development that happened mm-hmm. during the making of that movie is pretty phenomenal i don't know mm-hmm. a lot of the details but like if you watch mm-hmm. it's got a lot of rich behind the scenes mm-hmm. just the, the matte paintings in the backdrops of what the characters are interacting with is stunning. Yeah, I think that's probably the reason why it's number eight for me as well, because if I remember correctly, Aurora only has 18 lines in the whole movie. So there's not a lot of wow. uh, content to base your opinion of her on. I, you could probably Google it, but I'm pretty sure she has less than 20 lines throughout the film. Um, so it's kind of hard to make her a favorite princess because she says very little. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. She ended up as number eight or nine. Well, number eight for me as well. So, but wow, she lined up for all of us there as very center. Yeah, I mean, her character. I mean, we talked about the music, and um, she's sort of an innocent victim, um, and she, I don't know, has a good relationship with animals, um, similar to like we've seen in um, Snow White. Uh, and, and Cinderella, like they both have uh, relationships with animals. And um, she, she, I think uh, Aurora particularly kind of set the mold for future Disney princesses in her appearance. Um, it's kind of that signature, like angular facial structure and um, just really thick eyelashes and um, that regal kind of look about her. Um, Very true. A significant stylistic departure from Cinderella and Snow White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything for her is so much more angular. I don't know if you would call what you would want to call that art style, but... Her waist is irritatingly ev- impossible. It's, she's yeah. Like- mm-hmm. And even even like how her hair curls, it's almost like everything is just more from the castles to the characters, I feel like more more angled. Yeah, well, the designs of the Disney princesses have gotten more exaggerated as time has gone on. Um, like the original, you know, Snow White and Cinderella were essentially just rotoscoped live actors onto animation cells. Um, and then of course, later on nowadays, it's like these characters' heads and eyes and waists, you know, they're all so uh, disproportionate, but done so in a way to sort of maximize appeal and sort of maximize the attributes that are, um, you know, attractive or expressive. There is a awesome footage of uh, a girl who looks very much like Aurora um, dancing and doing a bunch of spinning moves. And there's like three artists with big canvases, like drawing her movements. And I just, yeah, they, so- they definitely used live actors. Um, for the animation referencing in uh, Sleeping Beauty as well. Um, you can see that angular style continue on in later films like Roger in uh, 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
looks just like her. <laughs> but yeah, like going back now nine years to 1950s Cinderella, um, the second Disney princess. And of course, like the, there still probably was a sense of like the Disney princess icon back in, you know, the popular culture of the time because Disney was known for their fairy tales. Um, but it certainly wasn't what it is now. And, and um, Cinderella being the second uh, of the Disney princesses was so influential in establishing this, um, this trope that we see recurring throughout the Disney fairy tales. I mean, it's her castle. It's her, she's all over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um, the, the Walt Disney World Castle, especially, is is called Cinderella Castle. Um, the one in Disneyland is actually called Sleeping Beauty Disney. Castle. Mm -hmm. Disney World, you said? Um, Disneyland. Disneyland. Is Sleeping yeah, Beauty. it's Aurora there. Mm -hmm. And I think Cinderella was, I don't remember exactly, but the, the scene where the fairy godmother transforms her from basically the rags to the, uh, the gown, uh, that was Walt's favorite animated clip that they ever worked on, he said. Uh, oh. I remember reading that about him once, is that his favorite scene was her transforming um, into the dress. And I think, you know, I'm kind of like reflecting on this list of like the characters I like the most. And they all had like a major transformation, like Belle going from her peasant dress to her ball gown, Elsa going from her like normal clothes to her mm -hmm. ice dress, and like Cinderella going from rags to the... I don't know. I just never really noticed that theme before with my favorites is they all kind of go yeah. through that moment from tail to legs. That Cinderella has. And, yeah. Yep. Does Moana but, put on a, an 18th century princess dress? <laughs> I don't she she has a slight wardrobe change at some point, I think, but she puts yeah. on a headdress at some point, right? And some yeah. little bangles on her feet. Mhm. Mm Cinderella may be the first Disney animated movie I saw like straight through as a child. Um, so it was definitely a big part of growing up, but um, it, it's probably, it's been the longest since I've seen it. There's one great scene in Cinderella. It's so horrifying. It's like a, it's like a David Lynch shot where mm -hmm. it's this like extreme wide uh, way in the distance. The grandma is like sleeping and, or like sitting up in bed in, in the darkness <gasps> and Cinderella approaches from like so far away. And it's like, She's like stepmom, you mean? Yeah, the stepmom. Yes. Sorry, I don't know what I, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. And it is it's so scary <laughs> for like almost no reason. It's like really, really beautifully done. Oh yeah. Definitely uh, a, a lot of thought put into all the staging and camera work, really, you know, lighting effects and so you know, the I guess the animation techniques that are meant to mimic uh camera work <laughs> in, in all of these films. It's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and, and in fact, like in our um, Mickey Mouse discussion, we forgot to mention the name Ub Iwerks, who was the animator of the first Mickey Mouse cartoon. And he did a lot of the animation by himself. He was such a pioneer in like camera techniques or, you know, the framing techniques of early animation. Um, the, the dude was just a total genius. He came to California with Walt Disney from uh, from Kansas or, or Missouri, where Walt Disney was from. And he was like the only one of Disney's colleagues who stayed uh, exclusively loyal to Disney during like the whole 
um, universal fiasco uh, with, with Oswald, the lucky rabbit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then he would later go on to develop a bunch of new techniques uh, much later on for the Walt Disney Studio, like the usage of you know, Xerox photocopying for uh, the film transfers, uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, with, I mean, Cinderella, just such a visually striking, you know, moments of very innovative animation, like you're saying. Um, and I, I loved like the moment with the bubbles, uh, you know, the, that musical. Sing Sweet Nightingale, she's like singing as she's washing the floors. Uh, the same song that the stepsisters just sang. I love that when her reflection yeah. shows up in all those different colored bubbles. Mm -hmm. That is a really good scene. I forgot all about that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really pretty moment. Um, I think, I and I think that's like kind of how I remember Cinderella is like, there are these moments. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not like a really like compelling driving narrative necessarily, but like, um, and, and of course every, I can't stand the mice. Uh, mm -hmm. I, uh, their scenes drive me bonkers. Uh, they I, remind me of the minions. I don't <laughs> like them either. You can't really understand what they're saying. It's like a high pitch noise, but like they're the comedic relief somehow from her abuse. And it's just yeah. like, Exactly. Not that great. I, the, I, I'm thinking that Cinderella, I love her as a character, and I think that's why she's like in sort of the middle for me, but the movie mm -hmm. itself, it never, I don't know, struck mm -hmm. me as like a great, great story. And I, again, I'm like yeah. you, Philip, I'm more more familiar with their current version or the, mm -hmm. the new version with, with Lily. Mm -hmm. Lily, Lily James. And, and hottie Mc, hot Robert, uh, Bruce, not Robert, Robert Rob Stark. Stark. Rob Stark. Man, I love him. He's in that new bodyguard show on Netflix. I'll have to check out. But huh. um, the prince is really boring in the animated film. Like those first. He doesn't two even have a name. No, Snow White and Cinderella, both of their princes, just trash human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Richard Madden, by the way. Oh, Richard Madden. Thank you. Uh, we're talking about the princes from. Um, Snow White and Cinderella, one of them is like Prince Charming, and then the other one I think was given a name after the fact. Um, but yeah, they're they're more side characters. Um, well, I, I do I do appreciate just kind of the more like archetypal, simplistic, like closer to the. They're they're more like a fairy tale, just feature film length. Like yeah, the princes don't need to have a name. They don't have to have a big role. They kind of just. Mm -hmm they function archetypally like um, yeah. like I mean, in those old stories. I mean, the princes, they, they show up, they do a thing that they mm -hmm. kiss the girl or, you know, whatever. They don't, they don't have to have complex. Personalities. Know. Right, right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of funny if you look at the transformation of old princes to current princes like Flynn Rider and <laughs> I mean, Kristoff, they, they're very distinct personalities, whereas in the past, they weren't much of anything, which is, I mean, that's kind of reflective in the princesses as well, the, the changing of the times, but yeah. they really meant nothing back then. Like, I don't think Prince Charming has any lines, does no, he? Not in but I can remember, nothing I, that stands out to me. In Cinderella, I think he might he, say wait or something, <laughs> but- That would be it, wait. <laughs> I mean, they both sing. Um, I'm not oh, that sure about the yeah in uh, Snow White the prince. I honestly does. can't say anything about Snow White because it's been years. Oh right, oh, man. Well, I mean Cinderella, she's 19 according to uh, 
Yeah. She's so old. It's a, a French fairy tale. Um, Eileen Woods plays the voice of Cinderella. Um, and I just, I mean, I love how she's such a, an unimpeachable character um, in her like moral quality. She, yeah. you know, just gets so downtrodden by, you know, her step family and um, the core yeah. and heart of that story is yeah. so good and so compelling. Yeah, her her commitment to service and how that, um, you know, how she's ultimately rewarded for her character, and like I, I love the moment after she she runs away from the castle, and um, gets back to you know her her home, and she's kind of under the impression that this was just a one off thing, and you know it, it's over. Um, which, you know, she, she has every right to be like really upset that that this thing, you know, this one moment of uh, bliss and, and perfection in her life has now just come to a screeching halt. But instead, she stops and just says into the air, thank you. Um, and I think that's a really powerful moment. I don't remember that, but the way you described it. Sure Me neither. Like it. Mm -hmm. it is a beautiful wow. moment when you describe it. Mm -hmm. Yep, she just has that one memento of the event, which is the last remaining slipper. Um, and uh, yeah, she chooses gratitude. <laughs> yeah, talk about um, a girl who gets what she deserves. Mm -hmm. um, so finally, uh, the one that started it all, uh, Snow White from the 1937 the film. The fairest of them all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the most grating of them all. Yeah, she ranks pretty low for me. Okay. Yeah, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, I I love this movie. I mean, I watched it fairly recently, and it's uh, it still holds up to this day, which is surprising for a movie from 1937. I have to give it another shot. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I, seriously, it's been so long. And I just, I remember thinking it's boring, but I'm sure now mm -hmm. I'd like it a lot better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a surprisingly scary. A lot of just very uh, chilling moments throughout the film. You know, the queen transformation, the um, escape through the woods, you know, Snow White's, she's like hallucinating monsters in the woods. That freaked me out as a child. And I'm sure many others as well. Um, she's kind of scary. Yeah, the Huntsman too. I mean that. Yeah, but it's it's just so iconic. Um, she's supposed to be fourteen in the film. Um, it's a German fairy tale. Uh, Snow White is voiced by Adriana Castellotti, and uh, fun fact: she was paid nine hundred seventy dollars for the role, uh, twenty dollars per day, <laughs> and was not allowed to voice any other. Um, fairy tale characters for the remainder of her acting career. Oh my goodness. Do I didn't know that, that at all. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she had, yeah, like, and they used to do the, these exclusivity clauses at movie studios. And thankfully, they've gone away from that with the advent of, you know, act, actors, unions. But um, back well, then. You like, okay, you played our character, and now you cannot play any character. Mm -hmm like this essentially what the poop why well do you guys remember giselle from enchanted um played by amy adams mm -hmm. 
she did like the opposite. Um, she basically said that if she played the character Giselle, that princess, that Disney couldn't do any merchandise basically based off of her. And they had her in the parks for maybe like a day or two, but they pulled her almost immediately because Amy Adams had like basically the opposite of what they had with Snow White. Amy was hmm. like, I'll own Giselle. Like you won't. Do you know what I mean? Why? Do you know anything? So what, times what have like on? changed a lot because <laughs> for yeah, it's, a, she it's didn't true. Want her yeah, image to be marketed, or she didn't want her character to be marketed for some reason. Like, uh, yeah, maybe she had a really strict royalty deal that they didn't have when Snow White was made. But uh, hmm. yeah, they don't have any. They don't have any merchandise with Giselle, and they don't have her meeting and greeting, even though she is the princess and people really wanted her. Um, yeah, hence, there. I mean, hence why I like pretty much forget about her. But I love the movie. I mean, mm -hmm. it's I, great. Who wouldn't want like a, a Lego figure of themselves? Like, why? Why wouldn't, why would you say it? Don't, don't, hmm, interesting. Well. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was like off topic. No, but, no um, I mean, she's no, definitely. I'm just saying the, the contracts have changed. <laughs> she's one of the forgotten princesses. I mean, have you seen Giselle um, cosplayers, Jody? Oh yeah, I'll have to show you pictures after this. My friend, Joanna Burt, she does um, Giselle in that big white puffy dress, like when she shows up in New York. Oh. Um, and it's hilarious. I, I I love Giselle. And if she if we would have had her on this list, she probably would have been right after Rapunzel. But mm -hmm. she's not on our on our discussion. Mm -hmm. And Amy Adams probably wouldn't want us mentioning her because Amy Adams, you're well, weird. You I don't know. Yeah, I, I I guess you'd have to read more about it. Idina Menzel was also in that movie, right? Uh, yes, yeah, she's kind of like not the wicked stepmother, but the stepmother that proves that stepmothers can be like nice. You know, like I think. I think Amy Adams says something along the lines of like, not all stepmothers are bad or whatever, but they don't end up getting married anyway. So she's not really a stepmother, but she's the uh, oh partner to the- Gosh, the I forgot lead. how hot the animated Giselle is. This <laughs> is crazy. Top, this top 10 for you, Dawson? Um, oh, she's a 10 all right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's reminding me of Anastasia actually from that film and is she yeah. disney now anastasia uh, do they own yeah. her she's owned, yeah owned by 20th century fox so she yeah she'll be owned by disney once that deal is finalized cool yeah um and and like thumbelina anastasia was a don bluth film don bluth had his own uh, animation company that made a lot of the famous uh, non-disney films from the 80s and 90s um, though he used to work for Disney, he, he kind of split off and took a number of animators with him and they formed their own studio, you know, turning out such hits as uh, American Tale and Land Before Time. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't as successful. Um, but Snow White is one of the most successful films of all time, uh, adjusted for inflation. I mean, it's domestic total gross would be over a billion dollars. Um, it, it was the film that put Walt Disney Studios on the map. It was their first feature film um, and, and changed everything for, for Walt Disney and that whole company. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Who would have known? I, fun fact. Uh, and this is unfortunate, but uh, apparently Adolf Hitler considered Snow White and the Seven Dwarves his favorite film of all time. Of 
that. Is that why people call Disney anti-Semitic? Because I hear that and I'm like, there's no way that's like true. Um, well, I mean, uh, Hitler sitting there munching pot and popcorn with Yosef Goebbels, like, I want, I like this. Make <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't think that was it. I think there must have been some things that Walt said that maybe like, I mean, Philip, do you know? It has nothing to do with this, but I, I feel well, like Walt must have said a couple of things. I, I don't think it has much to do with like the political content of Snow White. Uh, you know, I think it was just such a striking film at the time. And I, I think a lot of people kind of had the position that it was just so um, interesting and visually stunning that it just so happened, like he found the most artistically interesting film you know, Hitler did. Yeah, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't love it? I mean, mm -hmm. Hitler was a person too. <laughs> and I but mean, let's Wilson end the podcast on that. Dawson saying Hitler was a person too. <laughs> Just yeah. really wrap it up strong. Well, President Woodrow Wilson, a few years before Hitler loved Snow White, Woodrow Wilson's favorite movie was Birth of a Nation, a KKK film. <laughs> so. Yikes! Another fun fact. <laughs> Uh, well, this podcast just got. Oh, sorry. There's not derailed. so much to say. I, about it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my fault because I brought up the Hitler thing. But um, I mean, yeah. I mean, no. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about Let's... this anymore. I'm going to delete that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Snow White was definitely one of the more pitiful. Uh, one of the more. One of the more. What was Snow White? She was pitiful. She was. That was one of the more pivotal moments of. American popular culture in the 20th century. Of Aryan popular culture in the 20th century, yeah. So, White is right. White. <laughs> <Yeah>. And the <laughs> dwarves represent the, no, no. the mining. Oh my. <laughs> That's why Tolkien the... was racist too, because his dwarves were Jews. <laughs> Yikes. No, no, no. Well, the, the dwarves, I mean, they some of them don't necessarily have the biggest role, but I feel like they're all pretty well fleshed out for as many characters as that is to fit into one movie. Um, like they, they've got well-rounded personalities and of course, you know, they're named after certain kind of stereotypes, but they, they all kind of have their own arcs, especially like grumpy. Um, you know, there are, you can really see the impact that the, um, introduction of snow white to their lives really has um it's interesting to me how like yeah. they're mining you know they've got the famous hi ho song they're talking about you know it ain't no trick to get rich quick when you uh when all you need is a shovel dig, or a pick dig, dig with a shovel and a pick <laughs> but like where did all their wealth go so clearly they're, that, they're that's they're, all they care about they're not high, like getting high and <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I <laughs> it's blazing. We go, <laughs> oh my! But but they're not like opulently wealthy. Uh, they just like to mine gems, apparently. Don't they all sleep in the same bed? Like they don't have much. Like their cottage is like pretty bare bones, so Very they don't really humble. use the gems for anything. They yeah. they have their own beds. Like that's how she they finds out their own. names. Oh. She, she's the only princess I can think of who is shown to pray on screen. Oh. Yeah. There's a scene where she's kneeling and praying, you know, presumably to God. 
Um, that's an interesting inclusion. There's that's all, not going to come back to Disney movies anytime soon. So <laughs> there's there's in the original uh, Legend of Zelda game, there's images of Link kneeling before uh, Cross, um, and on his shield he had a cross. He he was originally hmm. this like this Christian knight in the, hmm. in the earliest Nintendo games. So like all things, there's there's. <laughs> so you say you don't really like her voice though, Dawson. Oh, I don't either. Mm-hmm. Who does? I mean, it, it's, yeah, it who is, does? It, it's oddly shrill, but that was maybe more in vogue at the time. Yeah, I suppose. I, I mean, and I, I guess she is only 14. So I don't know. I, it's, uh, they've got some good songs in that movie. Okay. Like it really is. Um, yeah, I like the love song between she and the prince. Um, one song i have yep. but one song one uh, one law only for you yeah um i can't the fact that i can't remember the title is you know indicative that it's maybe not as high ranking on my list but just the the film overall i need to rewatch it but um it's, they put in so much work and effort into that early style of animation where like each frame um, has so much detail on it. and like they weren't able to keep up that level of attention to detail um, as like just the costs became yeah, exorbitant. Um, so you, like even like Cinderella, you can tell the animation there just isn't quite as much motion and um, you know shading. Like each of the um, cells has um, Snow White's. You know her cheeks are individually shaded, um, and uh, yeah, they just you know that's it's, it's a lot of stuff that you just don't find in animation uh, outside of that specific point in it time. Had, it had Red Dead Redemption two level graphics, and then it at all when mm-hmm. you know, that was unsustainable well and and yeah i mean it was kind of a result of unfortunately underpaying a lot of the employees who worked there uh at the studio i mean back then in los angeles it only cost 17 dollars to rent a, an apartment for a month um so they could afford to pay a lot of their staff you know uh, only a few dollars a day changed well so yeah i mean we've made it through this long <laughs> list long long discussion it's and like three, three episodes right yeah we're kind of recording somewhat late in the night it's it's pretty late for you dawson so you've had to sort of lower your tone so i mean apologies to the listener if we've sort of uh become noticeably deflated <laughs> over the course of the episode <laughs> um, but we, it's been a busy day and like it's uh i mean i've had a lot of fun chatting with you guys uh so i mean this was an awesome awesome discussion piece uh, so nice to have you jody your perspective is just angelic so oh thank you nice so much no you. i had a blast doing this i wish i could do this all the time honestly we could have just done one episode per character we well, probably could have gone on and on we do have the internet so if you want to keep doing that i mean you could you could do a podcast i'll watch wreck it ralph too but i might miss it if you guys are recording tomorrow 
Yeah, I don't know when we'll record our review on that, but um, yeah, I mean, if you you're more it's than been welcome. Fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should be and, a regular. I'm I'm just saying that now. Um, well, hey, well, thank you so much for sitting through the this. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> We're so glad we had this time. We should well, sing a song to wrap it up, all three of us. <laughs> what song? Let, let, well, we have sing. to. Let's all sing our favorite princess song. And okay, okay. One. On. Oh. Uh, wait, let's wait. Um, we have to first pick one. We don't have to tell each other what it is. Oh, I thought we were supposed to sing. Oh, okay, okay. I'm ready. Oh, oh like like our individual favorite ones, so that at it, the it, same time though. Yes, at the same okay. time. Okay. I need I need to make sure I have the right one. Um, okay. <laughs> Philip's yeah. like, I'm gonna delete this. Are you ready, Philip? It's yeah. gonna sure. be like, oh, sure. so it's not hard. Yeah, starting let's from go. the beginning. All right. Okay. Three. Two, one. The snow globe. I, I can show you the great wide sun. Good job, everybody. On that note, not a footprint to be seen. The kingdom of isolation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do your wrap-up thoughts. I can do mine if you want. Um. Yeah, so Jody, you're uh, an official Disney princess, at least in my mind. So, Thank you. what do you? Um, what are your final thoughts on the um, this phenomenon that is the Disney princess? You know, I love taking the time to reflect on all the different characters and what they've kind of brought to the table throughout the last, you know, five decades. Mm -hmm. uh, is that right? Five decades, and just oh. sort of, you know, oh what um technically so 37 that that's 70 Four decades um 80 no yeah 81 years holy okay years i'm gonna start my wrap up again yeah i really like and now it's not going to be natural but uh i think it's really fun to take some time to reflect on these characters that really were uh milestones for our culture and i mean in our lives mm -hmm. and just taking time to really think about like what each character may have brought into our own worlds and, and how we see parallels between all of them or, or differences between all of them. I think it's a lot of fun. So I'm happy we kind of took this time to dig into them because even though I work with princesses every single weekend, it's often the very surface level of it. And it's kind of cool to dig a little deeper into what makes them so unique and such great role models, I guess, throughout the past 81 years. Um, so thanks for having me here and hopefully you guys will have me back again someday oh, when you man. talk about princes or villains. We would love that. They're all coming up. Yeah, beautiful thoughts, Jody. So so good to so good to have you around. You know, this subject itself is is such a resonant piece of our, you know, current popular culture. And it's great that we have these characters who can sort of transcend simple like childhood icons and sort of uh, reach a broader audience. Um, you know, not just young girls, but uh, adults, boys. And, uh, you know, we're seeing more and more uh, characters, you know, Disney princesses who do break barriers and break molds. And um, I think that's great that we're pretty much everyone um, is, is able to sort of have their own princess with whom they're able to most closely relate and resonate. And I mean, I'm sure Disney will continue to um, 
explore, you know, all facets of uh, human understanding and, and, and human conflicts uh, through these characters in the future. Um, yeah, uh, who knows where the Disney princess will lead. Beautiful. Beautiful. And Dawson? Yeah, um, I love uh, the Disney princesses, more or less. I mean, I love most Disney movies that I've seen, and I love that they exist. Uh, I think it's, um, yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's really easy to just kind of see them as merchandise, but then to, to take the time to reflect, you know, how did we get here? Where did we come from? What do these characters mean and represent? And, um, and uh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm really interested in, in I, I like looking back and reflecting on like, what are the difference between the pink and, and the blue? Like what do, um, you know, cause, or just like princesses are for girls, uh, one might say. And um, it's just, and it's, and it's not that simple and it's fun to, to think about that. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. These are, that. yeah, these are our modern fairy tales. Um, yeah. Many of which are based on classic fairy tales, but updated for a more modern audience, but also stretching back I mean, 81 years, that's crazy that we're still talking about a film that came out 81 years ago with Snow White. Right. And then well, because the, the original fairy tale had been orally uh, transmitted. Uh, 11.30 at night, um, orally transmitted it its been, virality. Uh, <laughs> it had been, uh, it was, it had been, a, it, it's a myth, it goes back you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, mm -hmm. these are, these are powerful stories. They mean something. They reach to the deepest parts of our, of our souls, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, Disney's been very good at tapping into that. And I, I hope they continue to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like maybe looking for like, let, let's find a princess for, for everyone. I, I think I'd, I hope they just continue to tell really good stories and really good characters are gonna mm -hmm. come out of that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been the Thodcast, conversations about animation. Um, stay tuned for more reviews on animated film and TV. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Dawson. Thank you, Jody. Uh, this is Philip Elke signing off. Have a magical day, everyone. <laughs>